How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And sponsoring today's episode is our good friends at SeatGeeks. Use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks for Locked on Bucks uh, to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to talk about this more later, but go to SeatGeek and check out uh, the prices for Game 6. You you will probably be surprised, and if you want to see playoff basketball, uh, tonight might be the night to do it. So, Frank, uh, we both had some kind of work stuff and life stuff come up, so we took a day off yesterday, and we are back, and I'm sure you have lots and lots of hot takes all ready to go for this preview episode of Game 6. Yes. You know, I'm excited for this game. I feel the least stressed about this game than basically any other game in the series, which I don't know how my psychology would compare to Bucks players' psychology um, because on the one hand, they are playing for their playoff lives and this is the first time they've faced elimination and if they lose, then, then that's it. Um, their season's over. So on the one hand, there is a lot of pressure. On the other hand, uh, I think... I hope they're going to have a great crowd in Milwaukee tomorrow night. And, you know, uh, the Raptors, I mean, I I retreated it over the week, uh, over the past couple days, but uh, I forget who it was. Somebody posted a thing about how um, basically this series has followed exactly the form that Jason Kidd's Nets had against the Raptors um, a few years ago. And so obviously it's, it's of course, amusing because and, and encouraging because those Nets did win game six and seven uh, to beat the Raptors uh, in Jason Kidd's first year as a head coach. So, um, you know, again, very different team, uh, that Nets team with uh, some basically a really old veteran team versus this one obviously is not old and not veteran. Um, but certainly something that, you know, a scenario that Jason Kidd can speak to from experience having faced, you know, sort of the core of this Raptors team. Um, a few years ago and having pulled off the very difficult tasks that the Bucks are are now facing. So um, so I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of pressure, but then on the same token, I think people are expecting the Raptors at this point to win. I think there's something like, I don't know, 85% favorites to win the series. So I don't know, Bucks, Go out, leave it all on the line, see what happens. Yeah, I think that's kind of the interesting thing. And I, I've mentioned this a bunch of times, but Jason Kidd always uses the term desperate uh, as soon as the playoffs started, for some reason that's been his word, that they should be the desperate team. And, yeah, the Bucks should be the desperate team in this one. Like, there, there isn't much of a chance of them winning this series anymore. Um, just looking at the numbers, like you said, the, any probability model would say they are, are heavy underdogs in winning this series. So, yeah go out and play desperate and leave it all out there and, and see what you can do. And uh, I, I think I'm kind of in in the same spot. Like, I, 
I already got two wins in this series, and I don't I don't think I mean before the series I was need I needed to be convinced that the Bucks could actually win two games in this series. So I had said Raptors in five before the series, and now they have already won two games, so it's at least gone six. And uh, honestly, like I I don't feel great after the last two games. Uh, it doesn't appear that they've. I shouldn't say it, it doesn't appear that they, they've they made many adjustments now that the Raptors made their adjustments in uh, Game 4. Uh, it didn't look like in Game 5 that they, they really came out and made a whole lot of changes. So there, there's certainly reason not to be um, enthused and excited. But also, I think this is a Raptors team that has struggled to close out games and close out series and just be the 51 win team that they are that that isn't it just isn't something they've done in, in the last I, I don't know since that core has been together they just haven't done that so uh for me there there's plenty of reason to have hope and to think that the bucks could grab game six and force a game seven and then once you get to a game seven who knows what happens so um i I, I'm I'm kind of in a, a very relaxed state, kind of like you said about this game. That I, I don't know if there's a lot of nerves there, and uh, I think you just go out and play and see what happens, and see if you can steal one again and make a make it go to Game Seven. Yeah, Bucks are 53% favorites according to 5:38 to win this game on Thursday, um, but still only 16% uh, likely according to the that model to advance to the second round. So. Um, as you might guess, if they do win that game, they will be heavy underdogs uh, to win uh, on on Saturday if necessary. Uh, it's an early game time uh, on Thursday at six o'clock Central Time. Hopefully, people are going to be able to get off work uh, and and not get uh, not be the late arriving crowd. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think certainly uh, you just hope that the crowd can come out and, and have some of the energy that they showed to start games three and four. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't speak to what game three was like in person. You can. Game four, I thought, you know, was a great atmosphere, especially early third quarter. We talked about kind of air came out of the building a bit after halftime. Everybody had their, you know, beers and brats in them, I guess. And team also seemed to have their beers and brats in them. Um, but hopefully uh, with this game, hopefully again, we talked about, you know, you mentioned that there was a little bit of red herring because it seemed like they started, they were kind of, you know, went went toe-to-toe with the Raptors early uh, in game five, and you thought maybe, okay, that was a good sign, and then they gave up that 17-0 run. Um, so definitely curious to see how they come out in this game. Are they going to be tight? Um, are they going to have the, the same kind of energy we saw in games, game three in particular, especially defensively? And I think the big question for me, you know, especially watching the last game where the Raptors finally actually moved the ball and, you know, found open shooters in the corners and did the sort of things that teams have generally had success doing against the Bucks this year. Um, it's, you know, do they play like that again or does their sort of, you know, some of the natural instincts maybe, especially a guy like DeRozan, do those sort of come back and play? Do they um, play a bit more, you know, one-on-one pick and roll, not much, not a lot of ball movement um, and fall into maybe some of the traps that we saw um, early in the series. So, um, so I don't know, but uh, hopefully a good response and hopefully a good crowd. And, um, I think this is, a you know, again, another learning experience type game for the likes of Giannis and company. And, um, I think to be honest, I mean, we, we're obviously, we always talk about Giannis. He's, everything starts with him. Um, but 
I don't know. I, I, let me know how you feel about this. For me, I, I'm maybe most fascinated for a couple reasons in seeing how Chris Middleton plays uh, on Thursday night because Middleton has been sick the past couple days, hasn't practiced due to the uh, case, case, case of the flu. Um, Jason Kidd says he's going to play on Thursday. Um, but he has played kind of like he's had the flu for much of the series. And I think obviously any any idea of the Bucks winning involves Chris Middleton playing at, at a higher level than he has been the last couple of games. Yeah, he he has certainly struggled, and and like you said, he's got uh, he's got the flu. The last uh, I guess that he had it last game, and like like you said, he sat out practice today. And I, I guess for me, obviously, there's the obvious fallback of oh well, you know he's he's still not really a hundred percent. And I think watching him, you might think that um but that's also kind of a convenient excuse and um i think this series is kind of the proving ground a little bit for what middleton and his ceiling might be um i don't i i guess the thing i've always thought is that he is a overqualified three underqualified two as far as offensive pecking order goes like uh and and i mean last year there was times where the bucks were playing him as like the number one option um and obviously after the all-star break that kind of got corrected and Giannis was the one and middleton was the two um but uh, i think you're seeing some of the some of the limitations for chris that um he isn't quite athletic enough to get easy baskets and when easy baskets are harder to come by in the playoffs like what what exactly does he do? And um, I know we we briefly touched on it about whether or not Middleton forces shots and things like that. And I guess the thing with Middleton that I always come back to is just that I think he's such a good and underrated playmaker um, that I always struggle to be like to really think that he forces shots because like even in game one where he's just having an awful game and, and nothing's really going right he ends the game with nine assists and so much of the Bucks offense was kind of created by him having patience and granted he, he did have a terrible game from the field that game uh and he did miss a bunch of shots and again some of those might have been ones that you would say were four shots, but at the same time, he created a whole lot of offense uh, for the Bucks. And uh, I don't know, the, I, I just struggle with, he does take tough shots, obviously, Tough Shot Express, uh, shout out to Steve Van Horn. Um, but as far as four shots go, like I, I always just think back to the plays he makes and the passes that he, he's able to create. Like I just look at, nine assists seven assists and six assists in a five game series against a, a very good defensive team like those those are very good numbers and he has three and two in the other game and it, as a second option like that's really nice for a second playmaking option to be able to get you that um and it and then in the other games where he doesn't he's got 20 points to go along with it so like, like there's certainly been moments where he, he has really struggled in this series, but uh, I think there's also been moments where he, he's come through. So uh, I, I think it's it's interesting to think about exactly where he is, who he could be, what this means for him going forward. But I also think in many ways that he's shown that he is a, a very capable player and more than willing to play on this stage. Is that at times an over-willingness and maybe an over-reliance on 
post-ups and bad fadeaway jumpers, sure. But I think he's proven that if you're if you're willing to go into the or if your team's going to go into the playoffs, that he is more than ready to be in that starting five and be a guy that can contribute going forward. I think the thing that bugs me most about Chris's shot selection is that he will basically never force three pointers, but he will he will always force long twos. Like all of his bad shots are long twos, and not just in the sense that they're a long two, but you know that's where sort of the corkscrewing turnaround, off balance, highly contested type shots come into play. And you know, with with him, you know, again, and this is the second straight time in the playoffs he shot thirty eight percent against the Bulls a couple years ago, thirty two percent from three, but he took almost or over five threes a game against the Bulls. He's not even averaging three threes per game attempted against the Raptors, shooting 29%, 38.5% from the field. So I think the biggest, my biggest sort of concern with Chris is just like, just sort of kind of the shot. I would start with the shot chart probably. And, and you know, you've written extensively for many years about Chris's shot chart and how he doesn't take enough threes. And, you know, the Bucks should try to run more plays to get him threes. And I think it's sort of an all of the above thing. I think you know, you'd want Chris to want to take more threes, and you'd also like for the Bucks to try to spring him for more threes uh, and have that be more part of the playbook, given that, obviously, his career numbers suggest he's a terrific three-point shooter. Um, but it is interesting, because I, I agree. I mean, he does other things, and, um, you know, I think he had, what, what, he had five steals in the last, was in the last game he had five <laughs> yeah, steals? five steals um, in the last game. And, and that, that's obviously a big part of, of what he does. I mean, he hasn't really, I'm trying to think, I mean, he hasn't really had difficult defensive matchups really, right? Because, I mean, he hasn't guarded, he hasn't been the primary defender under Rosen, um, not when Snell's been in the game. Yep. And uh, obviously, you know, the other the other wings that the Raptors have, whether it's Carroll or, or Tucker, um, you know, th- those guys don't scare you too much. And Giannis was the one defending um, Norm Powell, who obviously played well. Um, it's kind of a, you know, attacking sort of secondary off the ball type role. Um, last couple of games so um so i think this is a you know it, it's kind of i mean again it's not defining chris milton's legacy or something like that i mean you know there's there's pl- plenty of time to write that but um but i do think it's an important game because i i would agree i mean i think it does speak to um you know what the bucks have right now especially without jabari parker and um you know where do they go to get offense and with chris he does a lot of things well um but ultimately you know when you think about what Middleton is and, and his calling card, I mean, it is to be this team's best sort of, you know, perimeter scorer shooter, right? I mean, that's that's fundamentally the the, the yep. big thing that, that he does and everything else is important and, and makes him really a really good basketball player. Um, but if he's not shooting and he's not scoring at, a, at an effective rate, then... Um, yeah, I mean it's going to be hard to 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 spring a huge upside in a playoff series if uh, if you don't have your second best player contributing. And you know it, it, we obviously need to realize he's a couple months back, a couple months from returning early from a really serious hamstring injury. And you know I think probably we need to be thankful that um, you know just that he's been been okay and <laughs> hasn't gotten hurt. And you know you look at the raw numbers: thirteen points, almost five boards, five point one assists. 1.9 steals per 36 in the playoffs. Um, you know that that if you had told us that that would be this would be part of the Bucks season, um, you know, in the fall when he was out with that injury, and we were all wondering what the hell happens next with Chris Middleton. Thank you. All, I'll take yeah, that. exactly. We'd all be thrilled. So, um, so we're kind of playing with house money on some level, and um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to judge Chris Middleton or no, you know, nobody should be 
demanding trades of Chris Middleton because he, you know, shot 38% in a playoff series. But, um, but I think certainly, you know, if you, if you, if you want to be a really big optimist on the Bucks' long-term future, um, seeing Chris Middleton give some big performances and, and play well, and he's had a couple of good games in this series, obviously. And even as you mentioned in this game, he shot very poorly in that first game. Um, he did a, he did a bunch of other things. Um, although I will say this, like, if you if you as an intelligent basketball fan were put in the position of you know scheming the the Toronto Raptors defense, why would you ever double Chris Middleton in the post? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's a question I've been asking for a long time, Frank. Like, but every I, team does. Like, it's not just the Raptors. Like, every it, team yeah, does it. It's, it's weird, and it, may, it reminds me. And I know we've talked about this. I forget if I've relayed this this anecdote on the podcast, but. Um, a couple months ago, I was talking to somebody who um, works for an NBA team, and it's not the Bucks. So, spoiler alert: it's not the Bucks. But, um, but they were saying how they were talking. This is somebody who's in like an analytics type role, and they were talking about how they uh, the, they were talking to their their team's big man coach, and how kind of frustrated he was because basically he sort of realized that there's no reason to to really play through the post anymore. Because, and this series has been a great example. I mean. The only place you can put your hands on players defensively is in the post. And yep. Middleton's a good example. I mean, you know, it's hand-to-hand combat at times when he's got the ball and he's trying to back down. And, you know, same with Giannis. And they let guys, especially smaller guys, get away with a lot, right? I mean, they, they let them kind of do whatever they <laughs> yeah. want with, with two hands and sh- forearms and shoulders and teeth and fingernails um, to, to try to keep, you know, bigger players from backing them down. And, turn it around, put it, put a guy on the perimeter and you know, you can barely touch these guys. So it, it's sort of one of those things that, you know, you ask, well, why, why is the post game no longer a big deal? Why is, you know, the three point shot so important? And part of it is just because you can't, the, the, the post is the one place where you can foul guys and not get called for it. So why, why would you want to go play in, in the part of the court where you can basically let guys, you know, beat you up basically. So, um, so I think it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, you know, we've seen Middleton struggle. I thought last game was a great example of Giannis using his size, um, the Bucks kind of running him into spots where he could get the ball deep. And, you know, again, uh, so often with Giannis, it's not about, you know, brute strength, right? I mean, if Chris is going for the, you know, fadeaway jumper, uh, Giannis is sort of the opposite, right? He's, he's trying to get his momentum going towards the rim, um, use spin moves, drop steps. You know, we see him occasionally pivots. use little pivots, yeah. baby hooks, step throughs. Um, you know, we've seen him increasingly show, you know, again, he, he, no one will confuse him for Kevin McHale at this point. Um, but he, he clearly is getting more and more comfortable using that size. And it, and it doesn't just have to be against really small guys, right? I mean, the, the, the upside is, whether it's Damari Carroll, PJ Tucker, he's just bigger than all those guys. And, you know, we see him so often use like a spin move. And, you know, if he has like an inch and he can elevate, um, he's got such long arms and, and athleticism that, that he's going to be at the rim really quickly. So, um, so and again, and, and it also gets to the point that, that we've talked about a fair bit, which is you play Chris in the post, you're taking a really good shooter and putting him in the post, and then Giannis is mm-hmm. spacing the floor or trying to cut or whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, which is fine if they double and maybe you can do a cut or something. But um, I think, you know, in, in theory and I would argue in practice, when you think about the net sort of gravity, gravitational effect, um, I do think, you know, Giannis in the post 
uh, trying to draw double teams. I think he's going to be more effective getting to the basket, getting easy shots, especially given that they've played so many small, smaller guys against him. And um, again, I also think that with with when teams do collapse on him, it means that you know Giannis can pass to Chris Middleton rather than Chris Middleton passing to Giannis on the perimeter, which um, I, I know which way I, I think would make more sense. So I don't know. Well, we talked a lot about Chris and Giannis. Um, any other things you want to look out for? Any any guys that you want to pay close attention to? Can Norm Powell just rub rub the Bucks trade for Grievous Vasquez more in their faces uh, in Game Six, or um, might we get a respite? I, I don't know. Um, but I, I I I do know that I would much rather not see Norm Powell be the like difference maker for the Raptors, which he has been. I guess you kind of touched on something that made sense there with Giannis in the post, and I'll get to that in a second. But another thing that makes sense is getting tickets to this game. And before, let's see, games three and game four, we talked about how Frank was going to be there, and we talked about the seats that were there, and you know what? You maybe can't really find a great deal. Frank, the entire page is green. Green to dark green for tomorrow night's game six. Like there are seats so good that I I'm I don't want to say angry. Um, Steve Steve Van Horn questioned me a little bit earlier today for doing some attendance shaming, but there is literally green dots on the entire upper level and the entire lower level. You can sit in the lower level for. Uh, looks like right now, two twenty one. You can sit there for fifty four dollars tomorrow night. That is game six of an NBA playoff series. You can sit on the lower level of the Bradley Center for fifty four dollars. That's crazy. Um, and it, if you're saying, you know what, that's just the end zone. I can put you on even with the baseline for sixty four. I can put you at let's see. The three-point line for 110, like there are just insane deals for this game, and I know that because I'm looking at the page on SeatGeek, and they've gone out and they've researched every ticket site, and they've found all the great deals, and they've put them on one site for me, and they've used the little dots, the color coding, to show me what great deals are, and I can tell you right now there are great deals everywhere, and like Frank said before, Dwayne Casey, Damari Carroll. I don't even know who else. Everyone on the Raptors kind of talked about how they were shocked with how well the Bucks brought it in games three and game four. And seeing green dots all over the screen makes me think that maybe Milwaukee's not going to bring it like they did for game three and game four for game six. I hope that's not the case, but I'd be lying if I said I'm not a little bit worried. So hopefully you can go out, prove all those people wrong, and go get some tickets on SeatGeek. And you can do so using our promo code. It's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, L-O-Bucks for Lockdown Bucks. And it's really simple. All you have to do is go to the SeatGeek app, download it, then go to the Settings tab, go to Enter a Promo Code, Enter Promo Code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, L-O-Bucks for Lockdown Bucks. And that's going to get you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. And like I said, please do it. I do not want to have the Bradley Center have a bad showing in Game Six. Like that would put a bad taste in my mouth. So let's let's not do that. Do it for Eric. Do it for Eric. Yeah, do it for me. Uh, do it for Eric, and then tell us that you went with your SeatGeek promo code, and and we'll give you a shout out. And don't lie to us. Don't tweet us if you didn't use this week. Come on, just just you know be be legit about it. But yeah, do it. We'll give shout outs. 
um, and and hopefully uh, hopefully be a good crowd. There's like twenty two dollar seats, twenty five dollar seats. You could essentially do a buy one get one with your twenty dollar rebate if, if you if you use the SeatGeek promo code for your first time. So go out and do that. Um, I, I guess Frank, you mentioned something about Giannis in the post, and I think one thing I've been very curious about is. Games one and two, I thought the Bucks excellently hunted out all of the mismatches, found exactly who they wanted to be on Chris Middleton, exactly who they wanted to be on Giannis, put him in the post, and just went to work. And, and I thought they did a great job. Uh, essentially, they made it so Corey Joseph could never be on the floor when Chris Middleton was around, because uh, they would just go to it and make that happen. And Obviously, the Raptors put more guards out on the floor. They, they've, they've made an adjustment that makes that more difficult. But I just feel like it, they should be able to create actions. And again, it, in the playoffs, instead of the first action, this is going to be the second or third action. But I feel like the Bucks should be able to create actions that get those same mismatches that they like so much. And, and again, it, maybe it's not going to be... Middleton posting up Corey Joseph, but maybe it's Middleton posting up Norm Powell or Giannis, especially posting up Norm Powell. Like Norm Powell is not a guy that's big enough to handle Giannis. Um, Giannis being covered by DeMar DeRozan. Like there's so many matchups within those four smalls that I feel like should be favorable for the Bucks, and they should kind of get some of those same looks that they like so much. Like they don't really have to deviate from the way that they like to play, like playing through Giannis or Chris in the post. They don't have to all of a sudden go to high spread pick and roll offense. Like they don't have to do all that much other than set a few more screens, set some different actions, get into things slightly differently than they normally do, and get those same looks. And, and I've just been surprised with how how rare it's been to see those in the last two games. And, and to me, I, I that feels like the the adjustment to me that. They're not going to really change the way they play, but I still feel like they should be able to leverage those matchups better than they have in the last couple of games. Yeah, well, especially game uh, game four, right? Because obviously that was sort of the the disaster game from an offensive standpoint. And you know, I still have images of you know Giannis catching the ball 18 feet out against Demar Derozan and just passing it back to somebody else, right? And um, yeah, as you said, I think that, that somebody like Giannis, he's either going to have a guy who's way smaller than him or you know, I mean, if PJ Tucker's on him, we can talk about PJ Tucker being strong all we want, but PJ Tucker is also too small. You know, I think in space, Giannis is going to be able to work him, and we've seen him do that at times. Um, and uh, you know, if it's Damari Carroll, we know he can take Damari Carroll. You know, I don't think Patrick Patterson is a stopper. Um, I, I just think they, you know, again, that you mentioned Jason Kidd and company talking a lot about tempo and pace. Um, I do think that's important. You hope that, uh, you know, again, we haven't seen necessarily tons and tons of uh, bucks breakouts i think it seemed like most of them last game came with the honest sort of going crazy when the bucks were down you know 12 to 15 points so didn't really kind of get to the point where the bucks could play from the front um so we will see if uh if maybe something can change in in game six because um as you said i mean the bucks are not generally going to win because you know they just shoot you from the shoot you to death from the perimeter um they're going to need to, you know, again, they, they like to look at mismatches and they generally have mismatches. Um, and that starts with Giannis, I think. Um, but, 
we'll see. I mean, I think they they uh, encouraging thing from game five as well was Malcolm Brogdon playing much better basketball. Um, I thought they were able to get him open looks from three. He was able to hit a bunch of threes. And they're going to need something from their guards, right? Because we know that Toronto's guards are going to be the engine room for that team. But I think if the Bucks, especially, if, if their guards don't put some pressure on Toronto's guards and they just sort of give them an easy night defensively, I think that also works against the Bucks Because, you know, again, the more you can make DeRozan and Lowry work a little bit on the defensive end I think that also helps you on the other side and it was interesting they made a big deal out of Kyle Lowry and his his back maybe bothering him in the last game I mean either Lowry's back isn't really in bad shape or Dwayne Casey's an idiot because like why was <laughs> I mean if Kyle Lowry is like struggling with his bad back like why is he playing yeah. you know in the like last five minutes of a game they're up like 15 points or whatever it was um so I thought that was a little bit weird you know because it's like I think you guys had the last game in hand, um, <laughs> but uh, they still seem to be trotting Lowry. I don't know how many minutes he played, but um, but who knows, right? Middleton with the flu, Lowry maybe with this back issue. Um, you know, who knows? You you hope that obviously both teams are are not going to be have ex- you know need to rest on excuses if if something bad happens. But um, but I think it'll be interesting to watch, and I, I just want to get this game going. And I'm 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 not really I, I know that it could the season could end on Thursday night. I have like a weirdly good feeling about it. I don't know why. Maybe just because I don't feel stressed about the Bucks having to, you know, having all this pressure on them and expectation and, you know, all that other stuff. But, I mean, as you said, they should be desperate. Their season ends if they lose. So yep. we'll see if we'll see which side of that um, kind of dominates probably pretty quickly depending on how they come out. And, um, you know, again, you, you have to find that balance of not being so jacked up and, and, and excited that, you know, you're, 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 throwing stuff off the back glass and you know missing entirely um it seemed like in game three they found that perfect mixture of you know being locked in and being super aggressive defensively hopefully we'll see something like that hopefully the raptors don't pick them apart with passing um but uh i guess we we just need to watch the game okay i want to end with some over unders frank we haven't done this in a while and i think this is a good quick way to to finish this out you okay with that? Yeah, hit me. Over under thirty points for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I'll do under. I mean, I, I don't expect Giannis to struggle like he did the last game in Milwaukee. Um, but is he going to score thirty? Mm, he's only done that once in the series, and he just did it barely. Um, so I, I think that the Raptors are. I, I think the Raptors are good enough from transition perspective that like Giannis shouldn't just go absolutely insane. Um, but obviously, I, I also am. I'm not going to predict Giannis doesn't play well because. What's the fun in that? I'm going to go under, but he's going to fill it up in other ways, uh, like 28, 8, and 6 or something like that. Like it, he'll, he'll be good. Um, turnovers. I believe in this game, uh, let's see, the Bucks last two games had 15 in game 5, 21 in game 4. Let's put the over-under for Bucks turnovers. Not how many they force, how many they have uh, at 15. I'm just worried that if they if they're feeling at all pressure and you know if they don't come out loose that that's an area where they could kind of fall into uh you know and 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 really hurt themselves um i'll say over even though that even though they really haven't been a high turnover team since since middleton came back and we've talked about the pace being slowed and things like that um maybe maybe that's where i'll be the pessimist and think they come out a bit i don't know a bit out of out of sorts a little bit um, I think I'm going to take the under. Middleton, 
Let's see. You said he was averaging, what, 13 points this postseason? Let's go 14. Over under 14 points for Chris Middleton. Over. I'll, 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 I, I, can't, I gotta, I gotta be a believer in Chris Middleton. I mean, that's, that's not a, a super high bar. They need him to play well. Show us something, Chris. Okay, I'm gonna take it as well. Um, and it won't be locked on bucks unless I would add, ask something nerdy about a lineup. Uh, let's go with over under four minutes of Giannis at center. Um, have we seen any of that so far in the playoffs? I do not believe so. But that was a yeah. that was a, a suggestion for a possible adjustment um, that we can make from our good friend Jonathan Charks at the Ringer, um, who had suggested that today in his piece. So um, over under four minutes of Giannis at center. I'll say under. Okay, that's the way I would lean as well. Um, and we'll end with this one: over under half a win for the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, screw it, man. Over. I'm taking it too. It's it's kind of it's kind of those things like I almost like I, I don't I have no I, I'm not you know I'm I am in no way expecting them to win this series, but I would feel so much better about this series if they can can't get a win on Thursday night. I think that would be agreed. You know they, they want to win series. Seven. Just but, give me a but game give me, seven. Exactly. Give me give us game seven, and then um, let's give us an excuse to play the the, the Zaza game seven uh, audio clip. Yes. Uh, that's yes. that's all I want out of this set right now. For right now, I'll get greedy if they actually win on Thursday. <laughs> but for right now, I'll, I'll just want to win on Thursday. I'll take that as well. All right, that's going to be it. Hopefully, we've gotten you uh, ready for Game Six. Obviously, a, a longer lead up for this one with a couple off days in between. Uh, so hopefully, you're all ready to go. Game Six, Bucks Raptors. Like I said, this this podcast was brought to you by SeatGeek and. Head over to SeatGeek. There's lots of great tickets available for this game. Go get some. Use the promo code LOBUCKS. Again, LOBUCKS for Locked On Bucks. That gets you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. Use that today. Bucks in Game 6. Not Bucks in 6 because that's not possible. But Bucks in Game 6. That's happening. This has been Locked On Bucks. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. We will talk to you after Game 6.